0: My wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our big questions for this week follow the theme of the passing of death. All this week we're asking questions concerning life and death. Is there life post death? We're talking about that today. Can a soul really die? That's tomorrow. How did Christ relate to death? That's on Thursday. How can I prepare for death? That's on Friday. Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginals Seventh day Adventist Church. Welcome, Eric. It's fantastic to have you with us. Great to be back again. You are greatly appreciated on our on our show. How has your week been?
1: Yeah, pretty good. It's been so cold. I've been actually a little bit tired during the week. I think the cold's getting to me. But uh, yeah, it just seems yeah, to be these cold short
0: days me. are really getting annoying i've got to admit i actually looked up a, a day or so ago when is the shortest day when do we start to come to the to the longer days
1: yeah the i don't know the winter seems to have started really early this year that's for
0: sure yeah 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 tell me how you you have birds as a hobby how do they handle this sort of weather
1: well it's interesting Gary because uh, I have gordian Finches and um, when you buy Gordian Finches you've got to get them acclimatized to the cold if you get them out there they'll just you know if you buy one that hasn't been uh, adapted to the cold they'll actually you probably find it dead a few days later so uh, my ones you put them in in the summer so they get used to slowly the changing weather and they adapt to that but I noticed that when there's a bit of sun out they get a little bit of sun they're all huddled up soaking in the Sun and uh, but as long as you look after to them, yeah, they're, they're doing okay but they do
0: feel the cold for sure. So they're in Open aviaries?
1: They're an no, uh, and aviaries that are covered, but yep, they they uh the ra- they, the rain's off them, but they do feel the cold coming through the wire. Yep, it it can really affect mm, them.
2: Mm.
1: But uh, now, if you look after them and uh, acclimatise them to the cold, so now you know now I've had them over the the summer and the, some of them have been there for a few years now. They 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 they're okay. They're used to it.
0: That's good. That's good. Uh, tell me, Eric, we're living in really interesting times. What do you think about uh, the American protests at the time
1: well it's amazing to see those scenes isn't it so, so much and you know, i mean the current Coronavirus is out the window; they're just mixing freely over there. It's been uh, absolutely shocking to see the the burning buildings and the the riots. Mm. Um, there's been some acts of kindness through it. I've noticed, you yeah. know, some of the yeah. policemen going down on knees and, and helping one another. In fact, there was one case of a policeman that was isolated uh, from his um, his his troops, his um, you know regiment, and um, <clears throat> there was a, a group of uh, black um, people got round him and put shield up round him to protect him from the wow, rioters. Wow. What till till they found him again. So I thought yeah. that's very interesting. But you know, Gary to me, we all come from the one race, the human race. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is all about. All our the the colour of our blood is red, and everybody's got that, you know. Yeah. So the colour of the skin, the pigmentation, has no bearing on whether a person should be respected or not. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I can understand the cause. Uh, see what had happened was really bad. And do you just,
0: think you know. these people have a right to protest?
1: Oh, definitely. And there are those there that don't like what's going on with the looting and the burning. Yeah. And they they're out there, but then you get the some of the extremists come in, and uh, you know they're out for what they can get, and they want to stir up because the unemployment rate's in the millions there and they they feel hard done by too. So
0: there's legitimate protest and then there's um, a a different form of protest
1: that's right yeah I've been watching the news quite closely on this and uh, and they uh, the reporters say you can see the mood changing when these other ones come in and <clears throat> and the there are people speaking up saying this isn't in fact there was one uh, black American uh, uh, shop owner uh, he, he ran a, his business and he, he got out in the street and he said and it was on Facebook and he said look he said um, you know you're burning my cars he was talking to the people he said you burnt my truck you've stolen my laptop you destroyed my my I came from the ghetto just like you and yeah. I built this up and everything's going, this is not black power, this is not right what you're doing, this is not America you uh, know? Uh-huh. and if I could just add a quote that was given by um, Martin Luther King Jr He, I, I thought this is a very good quote he said, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is descending spirally, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it, through violence you may murder the liar, but you cannot Murder the lie nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And I think those words are so true.
0: That's so powerful. In fact, Mm -hmm. I think there was a very significant movie made talking about the life of Mahatma Gandhi uh, where uh, he he was able to have peaceful protest Mm -hmm. and actually change society through peaceful protest. That's right,
1: yeah. There was one incident of a um, a police commander who was out there and he actually um, put away his weapon. He says, look, um, you know, a lot of us are with the cause that you're doing. We don't want to see the violence in the street. He said, let's make this into a parade, not a violent march. So he marched with them and Mm. uh, put the, you know, and that was really good. They actually marched together in a non-violent way, you know, yeah, and that's what we need to see. Uh, Emotions run high and um, it's it's really bad over there at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's certainly something that is reflected in biblical prophecy, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you know, people in America, Sam, we never thought we'd see these scenes over mm. there. It's, mm. it's like a civil war, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric let's move to our question I, I have a each day I try to sort of look at some of the world religious trends and the thing I'm so conscious of is that the world is changing right before our eyes and one of the things that jumped across my desk just a, a couple of weeks back was a thing from Christianity Today and uh, this particular uh, article uh, was titled half of millennial Christians say it's wrong to to evangelize, and, and this is what the uh, survey uh, survey says. This, this survey finds that young believers want others to know about Jesus. They just don't want to speak up about it. Uh, new research from the Barna Group it says, and creators of the Alpha Course offers some disappointing news regarding twenty somethings and thirty somethings on deck who are on deck to carry on the faith. Nearly half of practicing Christian millennials, it said, the churchgoers who consider religion an important part of their life. believe that evangelism... Is wrong now. This really jumped out at me. This really challenged my thinking. They're more than twice as likely as their parents and grandparents, boomers and elders, to say that it's wrong to share one's personal belief with somebody of a different faith, in hope that they will someday share the same uh, the same faith. Now, in trying to explain this, Barna President David Kinnaman uh, points to the rising cultural expectation against judging personal choices. Practicing Christian millennials were twice as likely as Gen X and four times as likely as boomers and elders to agree with the statement, if someone disagrees with you it means that they are judging you. Now to me this is really significant. You know tell me Eric, is it enough as a Christian just to to live a life, live the Christian life but Not to speak. I mean, to what extent should a Christian person actually share their faith in? Verbal terms.
1: Well, the thing is that if you look at the Bible, I mean, Paul went uh, door to door in Acts. It says he went door to door biblically, yeah. uh, sharing faith. And um, I think as a Christian, we're not here just to save ourselves, but to share the good news. And the world is in darkness, and we're to bring light. So how do we bring light? Do we bring light by isolating ourselves away and putting ourselves in a little bubble? And then every now and then we feel, hey, let's, let's run out and we grab something and bring them back into our bubble or should we be as Jesus did I mean um, Jesus was basically um, not you know he was taking the gospel everywhere and those are the things that um, that motivate me is that if you love people um, you know you want to share something that is far better that there's the hope and the of the future there's eternal life there's you know there's a, a better lifestyle there's a uh, there's a, a peace that only Jesus gives
0: well, I'm conscious that even, even King David yeah. spoke about uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. A testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold. That's right. Yeah, more than much fine gold. They're sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And, you know, one of the things I'm so conscious about is that if, in fact, I've got something that is incredibly valuable, incredibly sweet, incredibly beautiful, do you know, when I see those things and I experience them in my life, uh, if i have a wonderful holiday place mm. that i the thing i want to be able to do is to share that with my friends.
1: That's right. And, and what's the, what's the value, most valuable thing? Is it property? Is it money? I mean, you know, when I used to work uh, at, a, at a newspaper in New Zealand, uh, the richest person that was amongst us was a man who had lots of shares in the, in the market. And every day he was so grumpy, he was looking up the share market. And if it dropped, he was the grumpiest person around. So the thing is, you know, what gives a person peace? Is it the values of this world or is it what Jesus gives and that's what we're saying we're not judging people when you share your faith you're just giving them an alternative this is you walk into a supermarket gary or you walk into a shopping center everybody is selling all round you in mm. fact in the middle of the you know you can't walk down there without somebody tapping you on the shoulder or whatever there's always every something's like that you know
0: yeah yeah so yeah. Tell, tell me eric how do i mean you're a person who's shared a great deal and in fact you've been certainly in the in the sales industry you've been selling Christian literature for many many years now uh, tell me what is the how do you present Christ because you've come across many of these th- these people how do you present Christ in a way that you know the person doesn't feel judged
1: well you know, we're all learning, we still learn on that it's a lifetime, but I've found that uh, I go when I go into a home or I'm speaking to somebody about Christ, um, I see that person as a friend ultimately a friend first and foremost Mm. and when you when you go in to make a friend that changes your aspect you're not there to to bash the you know him over the head with the Bible so you're there to uh, the term we would use is get on their island we build the bridge and it's got to be a genuine one that you really respect the person you're in front of and Mm. um, you know and then that gives you the opportunities to share I remember uh, years ago in New Zealand um, I I got to know a lady I was dropping books off to her all the time and she had a lot of people coming around in those days, Encyclopedia Sales and everything. She put a sign on the door, and I, I still have it at home, and it said, um, no salespeople allowed to enter here except uh, for Eric Hoare. And uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, she she didn't see me as a salesperson, she saw me as a friend. Yeah. And um, you know, and I've I've even come across, you know, with no and it had on it too no religious people either. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. and it even said Seventh day Adventists and Mormons and everything on there, you
2: know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, but it's it's who that and then when they get to know you they trust you because you can't share something with somebody until they trust you. you yeah, the words mean yeah, nothing. Yeah. but they've got to learn to trust Jesus. But through you, that's the the link.
0: Yeah, that's that, that's actually a very beautiful thought. What you're actually saying there, Eric, because so often you you hear a person's been Bible bashed yes. and they actually resent the uh, the the bashing by the. By the Bible, I um, I know that in in the old days there were cert- certainly some people who really enjoyed um, you know argument, um, but today I'm just so conscious that what you're saying has an incredible amount of truth to it, how important it is to actually uh, talk to people, become friends with people, and in talking to friends, hey, you know, you can act- I-, I can share things with my friends that uh, I can't share. With other people, and that's the thing about about Christianity. You know, I, I think of uh, of Christ in Matthew Matthew twenty eight. He actually says to his disciples, he, he's about to uh, return to heaven, and uh, and what you find in Matthew chapter twenty eight, and it's verse eighteen to, to twenty. Jesus came and said to them, saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples." In other words, I want you to call people to the same form of living that I've actually given uh, to you. Baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things. That's whatsoever I've commanded you. Now, you know, it's impossible to actually teach somebody unless you actually talk about the good things that you understand.
1: And if you notice what Jesus did, you know, he asked questions. And then, you know, I mean, you can win. I mean, today you might think, okay, there's a certain truth of the Bible that somebody needs to know. I've been seeing this person for a while. But the thing is, that person might not quite be ready for that. They've got to know Jesus first. And the thing is, you can win the battle. You win the argument, but lose the battle.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's,
1: that's why it's got to be taken through in such a way, you know. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I was really challenged by this particular article. You can actually get it if you search in Christianity Today, and it's entitled "Half of Millennial Christians Say It's Wrong to Evangelize." Uh, Eric, thank you so much for sharing on that. Let's come to some music. This is Heritage. Uh, this is a wonderful song. It points to something that I think we're recognizing in today's world in a in an amazing way. The King is coming.
2: Busy housewives Seize their faces
1: Those whose lives have been redeemed, broken homes that he has mended, those from prison he has freed, little children and the aged, hand in hand stand all aglow,
2: who are crippled, broken, ruined, now they're clad in garments white as snow. And see the marching throng, the flurry of God's trumpets, spell the end of sin and wrong. A loving God create a devil?
0: How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what?
2: Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth Magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity.
0: To get your free Hidden Truth Magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800 324 843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And our theme for the week is the passing of death. And today we're asking, is there life a post-death? It's a huge question. What does happen five minutes after death? Heaven, hell, nothingness. The subject of death has intrigued men and women down through the centuries. Books on near-death experiences have catapulted into near-best-seller status. There's been an amazing upsurge in interest in spiritualism and communication with the dead. Now, can the dead communicate with the living? We talked about this yesterday. Does an immortal soul survive the body at physical death? Eric, it's a huge question It's a big question Eric, is there life post-death?
1: well thanks for posing that question to me Gary you know you know I'm nearly 70 and heading I'm in the waiting room
0: yeah 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 you are indeed you, are, you don't look it though Eric I've got to admit that
1: <laughs> and I tell you Gary I don't know how you feel but you know obviously later in life you start to think about some of these things that you yeah. never thought about before and, and death's one of them you know uh, and time is flying so quick now mm. The old, I thought it would slow down I thought time would slow down when I got old and I would take it easy but it just just rolls around. Well that's what's
0: supposed to happen when you retire Eric, you know, I mean time, time does actually slow down, you're trying to find ways to occupy your day you, you're full, gainfully employed I hear
1: <laughs> That's right, and so you know we, these questions do come to us and it comes to everybody uh, during their lives um, and the thing that I think about too is that I've been very blessed and lucky to, to reach the age I have when you read of, of babies that you know, and, and other things that happen in life, so you feel blessed when you do get up in your years like uh, like me and like maybe like you, Gary, a little bit. But um, Job had the same question, you know. Job asked this question in the Bible. In mm-hmm. Job 14, 1-2, he said, um, Man born of a woman is of few days, meaning it goes quick, and yeah. full of trouble. Trouble's come. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow. He does not endure. If a man dies,
0: will he live again? it's a significant question isn't it for Job I mean Job is probably the first book that was ever written chronologically in the Bible Mm -hmm. and you sort of look at that and he's asking questions which are just so significant to today aren't they
1: yes and you know we have um, scientists and people are trying to work out you know how to I mean what's the average age now of man it's it's in the 70s now I think Yeah, used to be earlier
0: and it's slowly expanding but in the big picture hmm. it's still not a lot of years in relation to eternity is it no
1: and you know there's different theories on what happens when we die yeah there's you know people think we get reincarnated and come back as something else or we just come back as a different person there's all sorts of thoughts on that i don't know have yeah. you have ever
0: thought about yeah you know, yeah yeah no look i, I think that and this is certainly one of the things that we we looked at yesterday. But you know, I'm so conscious that you know you've got you know some some certainly major world religions have this view of um, of reincarnation. There are others that come from an atheistic background who say, no, this is this is all that there is. In fact, people wear these little bangles. YOLO, you only live once. You know, and of course that's so opposed to what the scriptures are actually saying. Uh, and then. You've got uh, others who will say no. Uh, the, the the script the um, a person when they die they go floating off and on maybe a cloud maybe up or if you've been very bad Eric you might go down. Um, that I, I haven't heard that one recently, but it's certainly a part of you know some Christian Christian theology. And then you've got others who talk about sleeping um, when a person dies. I mean, these different views are all there, but... What does the scripture actually say?
1: Well, the scripture tells us. I mean, the, the thing would be that would the average person would think of when we die, do we go straight to heaven? Um, you know, uh, what what actually takes place? Um, it's interesting that um, a radiology, a radiation, uh, an, uh, a radiation person, Dr. Jeffrey Long, says if you look at the scientific evidence, the answer is yes, there is life after death, and he's drawn on a decades worth of search on near-death experiences that included 1,600 people that have had these near-death experiences which is very interesting but what the Bible actually says is that, um, uh, is that there is existence of life after death and uh, It is through the resurrection of Jesus that gives us that life. You know, in the Greek, the word resurrection, uh, in the Greek it comes from a word called um, anastasis, which means raised up or standing up again. Mm and a person who is resurrected is raised up from the dead you know how many times in the Bible that there was resurrections there was actually nine different accounts of nine different accounts of resurrections going right through the Bible which is very interesting and uh The word resurrection is not actually in the – it's not recorded in the Old Testament, the word resurrection, but the teaching appears there. Through the prophet Mm -hmm. Hosea, for example, God promised from the power of the grave, I will redeem them from death, I will recover them. Mm -hmm. That's from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So this resurrection – so uh, some –
0: So in other words, within the scriptures, what you actually get is this picture, there's a hope – Within the scriptures that speaks about this thing called resurrection. The scriptures seem to speak about resurrection rather than anything floating, floating off or reincarnation or anything like that. You get this picture of, uh, of a bodily resurrection. That is actually possible. I I suppose myself, Eric, I I, I think of John, John chapter five, you know, and I, I love this little passage here because Christ is actually speaking to his disciples. And what he says is this. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who've done good. To the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now, to me, that's a really significant uh, little, little passage because what it's doing is to me giving me incredible hope for the future, a life that isn't a, a, a ethereal type of life, but something that is in bodily form, just as Adam and Eve were created at the beginning so apparently it's going to be possible in the future according to the scriptures but Eric I'm taking your no, uh, your job aren't I <laughs> no,
1: that's good it's good to hear that um, but the first thing we've got to realize to accept the um, the resurrection that the Bible is talking about is to accept that Jesus rose from the dead yeah. That's the first point. Yeah. And so what proof is there? What proof is there that Jesus actually rose from the dead? And In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-6, it reads there, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cepheus and then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom were still living though some have fallen asleep some have died the words asleep can mean death in the Bible so here we've got a group of people that are seen, but here is five hundred eyewitnesses.
0: And, 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 and Eric, that is so important because you know, in the day and age in which we're living today, you talk about evidence-based. Mm-hmm. Proofs. That's what most uh, universities are looking for, evidence-based material. What Paul is actually doing here is he's presenting evidence-based. He's saying to the Jewish people, he's saying to the unbelievers, he's saying, if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then there's 500 people at least out there that saw him. Go and ask them. You know, he's, right. you know In the first century, the resurrection of Christ was not a faith-based belief. It Mm. was an evidence-based belief. And to me, that is something that's really exciting because what Paul, and I'm really so pleased that you've shared this particular passage because I know that this passage is one that I I often read, as you probably do too, I read to people at funerals Mm. because it actually gives incredible hope. Mm. It's saying that, you know, Paul goes on to argue that because Jesus rose from the dead... So also will that will occur to us.
1: That's right, and you know what is being recorded here is um, Paul is bringing forward evidence, as you were saying, of eyewitnesses. Mm. Now, the Gospels is actually eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. When yeah. you look at it, those yeah. years, and it says here today that um, most of the what he's saying there is that most of the men and women were still alive when he wrote that this here down. It's about fifty-five AD uh unfortunate and- Undoubtedly, they told others about this miracle, so they know they spread it round. Today, psychological people say, a psychologist would say it would be impossible for a large group crowd of people to have the same hallucination all at once. Mm. They're saying that it'd be impossible to have so many people have the same hallucination, same, or dream or whatever. Yeah. Smaller groups also saw the risen Christ, such as the apostles, Cleopas, and his companion. They all saw the same thing, and in the case of the apostles, they actually touched Jesus they watched him eat food uh, him, saw him eat food so this uh, hallucination theory is is further dis- debunked because after the ascension of Jesus into heaven sightings of him stopped they stopped mm. there so here is an account here which to me is is, is absolutely proved the other of course too there's, there's a lot of proof about Jesus being resurrected of course was when they went to the tomb yeah and yeah, the tomb was yeah. empty you know so and of course the, they said well the body's been stolen but the, the apostles were too cowardly they'd mm-hmm. run away they, would, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they wouldn't go and they were too cowardly to have d- overcome the Roman guards and some people say well they went to the wrong tomb or something well the woman who found the tomb empty had earlier watched Jesus actually being laid away there they actually seen it they knew where the correct tomb was mm-hmm. and the um, the um, burial clothes that Jesus had been in was still in there so if they'd yeah. stolen him and Way they would have obviously taken us close, mm. you know. There's lots of proof, yeah. About
0: that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that to me is, is certainly the foundation of this teaching of resurrection in the New Testament. Is there, is there more?
1: Well, he says, doesn't he, in John fourteen two? And my father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Yeah. So there is a place after life that Jesus has a place for you and I and for all the listeners you know, yeah. that believe in him. He says, I will come back and take you with me that you may also be where I am. And so here is the promise of Scripture of the resurrection of the dead, and there is in Thessalonians it talks there too, doesn't it, about the dead in Christ will rise. Doesn't
0: it? Yeah. And I, I think, Eric, one of the really important things about this particular belief that a lot of people don't actually realize is why it is actually so significant. Do you know, some I've, I've actually had people say to me, look, you know, I like to think that my my mother, my father is already in heaven and i 've actually turned to them, and i 've said, "Hey, I said right now i 'll tell you the position with their family you know and i 've known their family, and i 've said, Well, you know this one 's tied up in uh, with drug uh, drug abuse um, and i 'm sorry oh, folks, I think we 're off air um, um, Oh, no we're back on air again I think we went off there momentarily according to my screen here my friends if you if we went off air um, from from you please please excuse us that was uh, that was a terrible dropout that occurred just uh, just there
2: we're still alive
0: we're still alive we're back on again that's uh, that's wonderful um, but Eric. I was sharing about those people that I've certainly spoken to and I've said to them, I've said, hey, look, you know, if your mum or your dad is currently sitting up in the kingdom, how would they be feeling watching the condition that your family is in at the present time? I've said to them, "Would, would they be, would the place where they currently are, would that be heaven to them seeing their children suffer and not be able to do anything about it yep. not you know,
1: only that Pastor Gary but the thing is that uh, the scriptures are quite clear that the death is asleep if for instance we took the argument that when you die you know you go to heaven straight away why would Jesus come back again why would he come back if we already already up there Now, some people say he comes to get our bodies, to put us back in in the body, because the Spirit's there, and we put the body back. But, you know, why would he do that? Our bodies are changed immortal. So why would he come back if we're already up there? And
0: and that is something, Eric, I think you bring up a a, a vital point at that particular issue. If, in fact, there is already us in heaven, why would he then come back? For a resurrection of the of the body, it actually becomes unnecessary. The reason that you actually have Jesus coming back again is because there is this thing called the resurrection. In fact, one of the passages that I think is is so important is actually First um, no, Corinthians chapter fifteen. You were um, on that particular uh, chapter, but later in the chapter, this is what uh, Paul says. Um, Now this I say brethren um, behold I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And this to me is an incredibly strong promise that we've actually got a friend in the kingdom, Jesus Christ, who himself was raised from the dead, who has actually promised, according to Paul, to come back to earth to effect a resurrection on this earth. That is an incredibly powerful promise. And it's a big affair isn't it? I mean
1: there's many angels that come back with the return of Christ plus the trumpet, every eye shall see him. Uh, But the thing is too the example of Jesus too his, his, um, his crucifixion and resurrection, he didn't go back if we assume that you go to heaven when you die he did not go to heaven when he died straight away he was in the tomb for three days
0: yeah yeah
1: um, and a lot of people get caught up on the scriptures when jesus spoke to the thief on the cross and said today i say to you you will be with me in paradise well there was no commas back there so mm-hmm. people say hey look you know but jesus didn't go that day yeah, but if yeah. you put it this way today i say to you you will be with me in paradise means that he is saying to you today that this is going to happen Yeah, yeah and that's where yeah. a lot of it's been lost this thought
0: that, that, that is incredibly powerful there Eric Eric look let's come to some music let's listen to Bill and Gloria Gaither this is a, a wonderful song Go Ask
2: Explain to you How one could start again how heart and hearts could soften like a child Then don't ask me how to reason out The mysteries of life Or how to face its problems with a smile. Go as the man who's found a way through tangled roads back home to stay with all communications were destroyed. Go as the child who's walking down who once was crippled. Then somehow. We're made to jump for joy. me how to prove to you why I know God is there, or how I know that he would care for you. And don't ask me why someone so great would choose to walk with me and trade my broken life for that's new. Go as the child who's got a dad to love away The hurt he had before this man called Jesus touched their lives Go as the one whose fears have fled Whose churning heart was quieted someone, whisper peace to all her stride. Go ask the man to tell you more, whose life was just a raging war inside himself, until the Savior came. The same I don't pretend to be so wise I only know He touched my eyes and nothing else will ever be the same and nothing else will ever be the same trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called
0: Jesus save me? And from what?
2: FaithFM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity.
0: To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal 7th Aid Adventist Church. And our theme for the week, the theme that we're discussing, the passing of death. And today we're asking, is there life post-death? Eric, bring it together for us.
1: Well, there's a few texts here to finish with, I think. It says in Daniel 12, 13, that, but as for you, go on your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at... The end of the age. And in John 6:40, it says, Christ declares that the resurrection will happen on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up. On the last day. Now, to me, Gary, that's telling me that when I die, I fully believe in Christ. I've accepted Christ into my life. That death is like a sleep. The next thing when it is I see Jesus coming.
0: Yeah. And I yeah.
1: see him coming with the angel. So this time period is, is when we die, we, we're in the grave, and then we see Jesus. he raises up from you know, the grave.
0: You that know, that's a wonderful thought because – I know. I've explained it to my to my children when they were younger, and uh, in my life, I've I've haven't had a lot of hospitalisations, but once or twice I've had to go in and and have a a medical an operation of some description. And I remember the first time I ever went under a general anaesthetic. Uh, To me, it was a remarkable experience because, uh, uh, you know, I went in. It was only a a fairly small operation. But uh, the the doctor uh, put something in my arm and that was it. And the next thing I knew, they had done whatever to me. And at the next moment, I'm actually in recovery. You know, I've actually said to, uh, to many people, what is death like? Well, death is actually like that experienced under anaesthesia
1: Yeah, I've had the same experience had a cartilage out of my knee and uh, I remember being given the anaesthetic and uh, I remember the nurse counting and I remember she got up to five I think You, did, I well. you, did,
0: you, you did well
1: <laughs> Then I was gone and the next thing I, I, she said you're very hard to get to sleep actually <laughs> and then you know I remember just waking up next, now that's how it's going to be when we when we, when we die we, we go to the grave, the, the the Bible calls it a death, you know, a, a sleep. And when we sleep, uh, the next thing we see is Jesus coming. And Jesus, it says in the Bible that uh, when he comes at the end of time, that he sends the angels to actually get us from the graves, but he will call his voice. When Lazarus was raised, and I know you're going to talk about that another time about Lazarus, but, you know, his voice was called and to come out of the grave. And that's that's where we're going this to This is
0: a beautiful um, picture, really, because what it means is that the person who has a Passed away is genuinely able to rest in peace. You know, their family may be going through all manner of trouble. They may be going through heartache. They may be struggling. Uh, they, uh, th- there are issues in this life that they're able to lay aside.
1: Uh, yeah, and you'll be covering that, I think, later in the week. But it says that death—you uh, have no knowledge when you die. That there's no—I mean, I remember um, just quickly. Um, a man who we were studying with about this very topic, and uh, how uh, um, his relative died, and uh, he bought the car home, and uh, he was uh, his his father. It was his father who passed away, and he used to drink a lot. And he bought the car home, and uh, that night, that very night, when he was in bed, he heard somebody walking up and down the hallway, and he could he got up and he could smell alcohol, and he turned the. Um, turn the heater on nothing could warm the room up and uh he he uh he thought that uh, this could be his father you know his spirit coming back that because mm-hmm. his father had died but he knew the scriptures said that you know that they're uh, that the dead know nothing and it does not return to his own house there's actually a parish that says mm-hmm. that in the bible so he said if you are not of jesus christ disappear and he said the, he said immediately the house warmed up He Mm. said there was dirt on the wood. It all went, and he said the footsteps stopped. Yeah. And this is what it's talking about—that we can be deceived by spiritualism or something else here. That's yeah. another topic. Yeah,
0: and, and I think actually, Eric, you bring up a very, very important point there because I'm conscious that if we go into, uh, for example, the Old Testament, there was a reason why in in Deuteronomy chapter—I think it's chapter 18—we uh, actually find God speaking through uh, through Moses, and what he what he says is um, is this. Um, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you will not follow the abominations of those nations. You will not um, have anyone who practices witchcraft, a soothsayer, one who interprets omens, a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead, for all who do such things are an abomination. Of course if the dead can't be raised it means that erased, it means that there is actually a different spirit at at work here. And that's what we find within the scriptures. You get this picture of deceptive spirits who actually are able to impersonate mm. those who uh, who have lived, you know, and yeah. and this is a this is a frightening thought that a lot of people don't actually realise. And the
1: Bible actually warns us not to go to somebody who says they can speak to the dead. Yeah. And I mean, you turn the TV on at night, some nights, and they have a spiritualist on there, and they're communicating, saying that they're communicating with the dead. The Bible warns us against such things. Do not put yeah. your faith in those things. Yeah. You know, you were saying about you know love when they die my mother i used to believe that my mother was in heaven uh i I fully believed that for a long long time until i studied the scriptures and actually what we're talking about here today and lining up those texts like a fence post and working out you know exactly what happens when jesus talked about asleep i didn't understand that you know it's not asleep when you die Uh surely but what he's talking about is that that's what he called it that he's going to wake us up
0: yeah and yeah. it's
1: so powerful, and it brought me great joy to know that you know she didn't see my what was going on with me at times. Yeah,
2: time. yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, brought me comfort that that's where people will lay and he marks the place you believe he marks a place where you lay yeah that's beautiful to me it's a beautiful picture
0: yeah 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 no that's that to me is certainly a, a picture that it is worth sharing with individuals because I'm I'm so conscious that those people that I I need to minister to um, the the number one question is you know <sighs> Where do we go from here? You know, what is actually, and what I find is that people that understand this truth do actually face death easier than others who don't um, That, but but let's just come, I'm conscious that our time is running away uh, from us but uh, Eric, I'd love to go to so I suppose a very practical question, you know as death is approaching or once a person dies what are some of the biggest challenges people face when somebody does pass away, I mean how do I deal, I mean you've had to deal with, with death a, a great deal, you know, how do you support someone who's grieving
1: Well, there's no right or wrong way to actually, um, you know, expect a person to react when they're grieving. Now, quite personally with you, Gary, I've never lost a child through death, Um, you know, and... You know, when you're with somebody and you're becoming a friend, and you you can't can't say you understand unless you've actually been through some of those grieving processes.
2: Yeah.
1: So uh, the thing is to understand that people will question God when something you know when they lose a loved one unexpectedly, maybe, or you know they will question God and um and and go through a process of grieving which is normal, and we, we can't just say oh well, God's going to fix this, he's going to come back one uh, day.
0: And I, I think you Make a good point there, Eric. That you know, everyone who faces uh, that, that's got someone who has passed away actually goes through, and it's been fairly well defined a process in death. I mean, for example, one of the first things that a person I know uh, might do is they might might come into denial. You know, they'll say something like, "Oh no," when they first find out. You know, it's actually a denial. Now, some people work through that fairly quickly. Others take a lot more time. Sometimes people become angry mm. and you know as i as i look at that i turn around and i say hey this is this is normal this is common this is to be expected you know there is no right and wrong way but eric if someone how do you minister to somebody when you know that there's been a loss in their family.
1: Well, the only thing you can do is just uh, just to be with them and to uh, to comfort them and to let them speak and 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 just hear their story and uh, yeah, let them talk it out to you because sometimes, as you say, when they have these emotions of grief and then it turns to anger. Why did this happen? But that also some of that anger can be, I wish I'd treated that person you know, I wish I'd treated them better while they were here. And that anger can translate. I've noticed that with a lot of people that they get very angry and very sorrowful because they didn't take the opportunities presented to show that loved one, you know, how they felt. So I, I truly believe that the only thing you can do with somebody like that is just to, is to talk and listen to them, but mainly the key is listening and and just uh, and really letting them share how they're feeling, to be able to direct them through that and use the words of Scripture because the Bible is full of hope and wonderful words of mm. of uh, for people that are grieving to bring hope. But it's not only a hope; it's a blessed, it's an assurance
0: yeah. that this isn't yeah. the last. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I, I've often found that myself that uh, silence mm. is okay. Yep. You know, I, often it's to be able to sit with someone. Is often sufficient. You know, sometimes a touch hmm. is actually more powerful than any words. Yeah. And uh, to me, as I uh, you know minister to those who have had family that have passed away, I'm just uh, I'm just so conscious that um, you know tears. Some of the some of the most powerful experiences I've had is when I've pri- I've cried myself. You know, with the person and later the person will say to you that was incredibly powerful, thank you for ministering to me
1: Mm. and the other thing too is do the unexpected, I think the thing is to show, do acts of kindness something that they maybe didn't expect, I remember one time um, a lady who I'd been studying with who really hadn't accepted God lost a loved one and you know what we still provided uh, still all the help we could when the, the person was buried, we provided buses and things to take them to the funeral that was okay they you know they had their own own private funeral that's fine but we were there to support them yeah so whatever way they react if they uh, um you know is the way that you show that you're a genuine love to that person
2: Mm.
0: it's very
1: important Mm. not to let our preconceived ideas get in the way of being a christian in times of need yeah and we cannot quite often easily do that
0: yeah, you yeah. Because
1: we want them to act a certain way. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I'm conscious that often, you know, offering some practical assistance is so is so useful. But is, is there anything that you wouldn't say to a person who was recently bereaved?
1: Oh, look, one of the ones I think we all say, you know, <laughs> and I think we, I've done it and um, I'm aware of it is, um, you know, our time will heal this, you know, you'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, those things you don't want to hear that you know I've been through a, uh, situations in my life and people have come up to me genuine um, Christian folks who who are, are trying to do trying to help me and they'll say look you know you'll get over this it won't take long And mm. really you don't want to hear that you've got to go through that grieving process uh, and so yeah I think that's one of the worst ones we can do is to uh, try and move ahead of the person rather than being with them and alongside them to help them through it we yeah. try and pull them through their grief,
0: yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Certainly, in in my ministry, some of the things that I've, you know, been aware that people have have said, it's part of God's plan. You know that yeah. uh, that to me has actually been incredibly hurtful to yeah. to a number of people because is death ever God's plan? Mm. I would suggest that from the scriptures that death was never God's plan. Mm. S- um, death is actually an intruder. Yep. And uh, to me, I prefer to, uh, to, to speak to them. Uh, of Of hope, mm. because that I believe is what the scriptures actually do.
1: The hardest one is suicide, yeah. um, and that's that's very tricky because the person uh, being the Christian knows you know, and so that is a hard one, and just being there for the person who who is grieving with what's happening in the take of a known life that that's really one of the hardest yeah. ones to deal yeah. with
0: yeah. Yeah. eric, I'm conscious that our time has actually gone sure let's. Bow our heads together in prayer Father in heaven Lord just come to you now Lord I want to say thank you For your promise of a resurrection mm. Thank you Lord that indeed you have dealt with death mm. Lord thank you that you are returning You have said that you will come again to prepare, And that you are preparing a place for us Lord, I just pray that indeed our hope might rest on your word. Lord, I just pray for any person here who has never given their heart to Jesus Christ. Lord, if they want to give right now. Lord, and they acknowledge to you that, Lord, that's me. I pray that you might accept them right now and give them incredible peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my friends, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we ask, what about a soul? Can a soul die? We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.